Welcome to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. For Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers, with protection like no other. Here's your hosts, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Redmond, good morning to you. Good morning, mate. It's a little bit different this weekend to last weekend. Big build-up last weekend. Very big week. It was a great weekend and unfortunately our show aired middle of the boat show last week where this week... We can review we the can whole review thing. the whole weekend. I was, uh, you were there for a little bit, for a day and a bit, and I was there for a bit more. So we got a, we got plenty to talk about. We do. South Australia also had their boat show. They did, uh, which actually annoys me. And yeah, they, yeah, I agree. Like, do, they, do you reckon they talk as indus- as statewide industries? Is it? It's better boating Victoria that runs the. Well, it's not the fact that they talk. I know, I know multiple dealerships. Put in a request to f- ask them to talk to have not have it on the same weekend. It, it's ridiculous because, like, and, I, and the reason we say this is North Bank stand right. It's built in South Australia, but it's proudly in Victoria too. And this is the same for so Bar Crusher have new owners, South Australian boys, built in Dandenong, obviously. But they've got a split between two shows. Yes, and like, and I'm, it wouldn't be just the two that we're speaking of. No, there, like, there was this would affect so many people. Pretty much every brand, every you, single brand, because you yep. want to be able to, and. What what it actually impacts is more so the South Australian fishing and boating economy because naturally people will go to the Melbourne one. Well, dealers, their shows much because there's smaller. more people that go yeah, through it. Hundred percent more people go through the Melbourne. Than they do the but Adelaide. there's still people in Adelaide that want to purchase boats and want to see the wide selection. But how hard would it be to split it up for two weekends? No, it, it's, it's not hard. Surely is it? it's not that difficult a conversation to have. We're you know we're having it. At, you know, on this weekend from the 26th to the 29th, yep. when are you, what suits, can you go a week before or after or, or vice versa? Yeah, I, you, you, I reckon you need two weeks because like if Bar Crusher wanted to get all their stuff there or North Bank, for example, if Melbourne totally. Marine were holding the 650s in stock, to get over there, you've got to freight them and whatnot, but you know, it just, it's just not hard to do. But anyway, it well, that's is what th- it is. Well, that's the thing. I think you do want to see the entire range of any boating manufacturer and that's the thing that I didn't see for, for a few manufacturers like oh I'd love to see like the 780 bar crusher didn't see it in it might have been in another part of the show but I only saw the 670 uh I think it's the 565 and the 530 yep versus like the entire range yep and obviously the logistics of getting in there no doubt are significantly challenging um but seeing it all in one makes sense now, we've been a little bit negative off the top, but all in all, in my opinion, the show itself was 10 out of 10. Weather, 10 out of 10. You're going to make me look bad now because I'm about to say, like, the one thing I didn't love. Well, we're going to get into that. Okay. What did you like about the show? Did you, did you as a as a overall, did you like the whole show itself? Because I really did. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was better than last year, and I liked last year. Yeah, I thought that, like, clearly, the weather, you know, is a game Mate, changer Sunday, when it comes to boat shows. Sunday, like, Saturday was nice, Friday was nice. Sunday was beautiful. It was yeah. as good as it got. Yeah. And it was like, it was a nightmare for the, for any, for, oh, the lead for up. anyone interested. <laughs> the, the lead up to this show, the Melbourne weather turned it on. It was literally hailing and what, 70 kilometre an hour oh, winds. It was, it was disastrous. Stupidity. 
Oh, the amount of people struggled to... We spoke about this, but the amount of people that struggled to get the boats to the show, I'm surprised they had windscreens still. But the beauty... Yeah, so I agree. I, I thought it was really well set out. The on-water component, I think, continues to improve yep. every year. It's such a it's such a game-changer for Victorian-based anglers. You weren't there. Because we've never had it. You weren't there on the Saturday night when we had dinner with Rob from North Bank, and Rob basically... We spoke, had a good chat about... It was, I forget the name, I think it was a senator actually, a senator. And they were going out a given one time and going out for an hour and a half in total. So what they were doing was they were giving the people the on-water experience. So you'd book your spot, and it was quite a big boat, and they'd all go out on the boat. And they'd leave Docklands, and to get to the water that's faster than five knots, you'd have to travel minimum 30 minutes to get to, get to that water. Yeah, right. And they were doing that. So they'd book your time slot. I don't know how many people jumped on. Say, Jeez, that's hum. a big effort. Yep. Which good is great, him. good on him. But then yeah. Rob made, and I thought that's terrific. And then Rob made a very good point. What about the people that now want to see that boat at yeah. the pier? The boat's not there for an hour and a half. Yeah, and if they're doing this every hour and a half. The boat's yep. not there. Yeah. So great idea. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, that's well, why don't we do that? And then he made a good point saying, but the boat itself's not back there. Yeah. So you need two of them. You do need two of them. So it's uh, it's. It's a great idea, but I don't think it's that practical as well after hearing what Rob's got to say. I think the big one with that sort of thing is how keen the purchases are or the, the potential people coming yeah. through. How much like, time you're wasting. You, yeah, exactly right. You need to be really cognizant of, hang on, are they actually interested in buying a boat? Because if they're not, we're wasting a lot of time to actually get out there. Your favourite things of the show now. So you mentioned a few to me over the week. What were your sort of top two or three things that you enjoyed at the show the most that caught your eye and price, whatever it is. Not talking about what we're going to talk about soon, a little teaser, but what caught your eye? Uh, I loved, uh, there was a bare skin alloy Stacer 4.29 with, I don't know, I don't know what sort of, um, whether it was U-Deck or Deck Armour or whatever it was, it was on the Melbourne Marine Stand, had a beautiful little 40 horsepower. Oh yeah, that's actually steer. Andrew's boat. Is that Andrew's boat? Yeah, and if they had a sold it that day, he wasn't had no house to go to because last year they sold their little tinny they were going to be using over the summer and his wife Pauline was spewing because they had no boat for the summer. And then it was at the show and Andrew was trying to sell it and Pauline, his wife, said to me, if he sells that, he's done because <laughs> they want a boat for the summer. <laughs> so no, buy the Stacer. <laughs> no, no wonder it was well set out. So I really liked that. I love seeing the Mercury Avatar in the flesh, first time I've seen it. Yep. I do have queries on who's going to buy it. Because yep. it's five odd thousand for what is effectively a three five thousand dollars. Yeah, five thousand dollars right. for what is effectively a three point five horsepower outboard. Like I think mm-hmm. it's probably more inclined for your Riviera type Range Rover drivers, Aaron. Tenders, tenders, absolutely. Um, but I love seeing that in the flesh. The max horsepower in that range at the moment is equivalent to nine point nine, and that's seventeen grand. 17. 17,000. I thought you said 7,000 earlier. No, 17,000. That needs a separate battery pack, which essentially sits in, in your boat just like a a fuel tank. So Yeah, right. I don't know okay. where that market sits. I think it's going to well, be I thought you said 7,000. I thought no, that was still pricey. 17. 17. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. So that's going to be a challenge, I think. Yep. Um, but seeing that in the flesh, being able to actually use it was terrific. The other thing I loved, it was probably my, my boat of the show, I think, was the Cruise Craft 6.95. Yeah, beautiful boat. You and I ventured over there and I had to drag you off the boat, literally. It was uh, you. I said to you, time's up, Pat. Well, I forget the <laughs> you guy, loved it. I forget the guy's name from, I think it was Streaker Marine. Streaker Marine, yeah, Streaker Marine. Yeah. It was um, very helpful. 
was he was great. He was talking through to uh, talking through rather the design, the new hardtop design, which is alloy bolted on. No glass. No, no, sorry. It, the the cabin structures. Oh, yeah, the cabin structure is aluminium. Yes, and then you've obviously got the wrap wrap around windscreen. Yes, and then the glass top. Yes, sorry. Yes, you're hundred percent right. I really like that. That was sort a bit of more like, practical when you're putting it together. Yeah, I was going to say it would definitely speed up the manufacturing process. It's a lot like um, Boston Whaler. It's what they've done for years oh, and years. Oh, do they do that? Yep. Yeah. So this is not like an Australian first. This is what the US have been doing for quite some time, and it and it definitely is that um, reduction in build time. That was a beautifully appointed boat. The and oh, I've got a gaff. I know. For, I was going to say show. it, but I pulled up before. You don't, don't, don't. Oh, right, just gonna, tease it a little bit. I'm going to hold it, it off. But it's about measurements of boats. And the boating industry. Is that where you're going with it? Needs to get its head out of its ass. We're on the same page here. This is good. <laughs> the gaff, don't. What? That's at the end of the show. But tune in. If you're going to turn us off, tune in at the end because this is a good one. And I reckon you'll agree with Pat. <laughs> what, um, what, what did you like? I, so this is, I was actually really spewing on myself. So we were with Kane and, uh, Oh, and we were heading back on the Sunday morning. We had a Reef Thief, of, of Reef course. Thief. Reef. We came from Reef Thief and we, uh, we went up together and I was spewing on ourselves because Sunday was one of those days it was 10 out of 10. And I'm spewing we didn't get the missus and kids to come up on the Saturday night, yeah, go out for dinner point. and then do the boat show in the morning. The reason for it is, number one, the weather was 10 out of 10. Number two is the amount of stuff that was there for kids as well. So yeah, it's a terrific you, show for that. One good thing is, is you could buy you could buy stuff. And it's always good to be able to buy stuff. Like, it, it is. Kids like going home with stuff. They do. It doesn't matter if you spend $1 or $200. First time for a while that there was actually decent fishing gear available. Yeah, decent in a way. It was... But it was but better than nothing. It was is it better, better than nothing? 100%. But I like the fact Tonic Eyewear was there. It was a sunny yep. day. Yep. Which is a great day to sell sunnies. And I wear the Tonics. And true. he yep. had a great range of sunglasses. And there's nothing better being able to try them on. Spotters was there uh, through a... a, a a, uh, what am I trying to look for? Um, what's a Melbourne Marine Centre? The word? I've gone completely blank there. Dealer? Dealership. That's the one we're looking for. Thanks for helping me out there. It's uh, spotters we're selling through some through a dealership there and there was a different range of sunnies. And there was also uh, Psionics there was with Moose Marine. So there was electronics there. So there yep. was different electronics. There was binos. There was all sorts of stuff through there. Thermal imaging. And then... I need to get a... Damn. I need to get a pair of um, binoculars for Dad for Christmas. That's my... Well, if you're lucky enough, we might see something in the review this week or in the next couple of weeks. But there is also, there was squid jigs to buy. There yep. was clothes to buy. Yamaha were giving away a, or not giving away, you had to pay for it, as I found out. I bought a Yamaha Shark to take home to the kids. You could blow it up. Those kids walking around. You thought Yamaha's. you walked out of the store like, yeah, excuse me, sir. Yeah, we grabbed it and walked off thinking they were free, but no, they were $5 each. You know what I didn't like? I didn't like the position of the... Stage. I have presented a lot in my time fishing yeah. talks. A lot. I think that's the RFI was, for the show. I don't. It's poor. I don't think I've ever been on a stage and it actually felt like when I was on stage that I was distracted. And you're getting in than, people's way because they're trying to walk oh through. Oh my god! Yeah, it wasn't so good. It was in a walkway. It was horrific. So yeah, there it wasn't was good. originally on the Friday. I think there was six seats supplied. Then on the Saturday, Charlie McKilliff managed to get. I think. 16 seats. Thank God for Charles. 500 they used to have in Jeff Shed. 500 to yeah. sit down. Uh, I, we used to talking in front of 80 to a couple hundred people at a time when you do these talks. No one felt comfortable to sit down in this area. It was no. a high traffic area. It had better boating. It had Parks Victoria all on the other side of it. So you, all, you had nowhere to stand. But as a presenter, you stand and you, you don't really get distracted by too much. But 
all these people are walking just to your right. It's not their fault. The front of, it's they're not, trying to get they're through. They're just travelling. They're not doing yeah. anything wrong. And they're all talking and having their conversations, talking. And you're trying to present to these people, but you just constantly got these voices. Normally, you can't hear voices when you're on stage yep. as such. Like, And you're trying to present and talk about a topic that's PowerPoint behind you and, you, and you're getting distracted. So as a presenter... This is how you catch the squid people. Listen. You're trying to listen. These people <laughs> don't even care about me, which I don't blame, but the other presenters I'm more worried about here. But it was honestly a very... And I wasn't the only... Every single presenter, we had this conversation. The exactly the same. Lee Rayner, yeah. as good as it gets. Lee's like, that was hard. Like, that was yeah. a hard stage it to needed present to, on. I reckon they need to have 100 seats in like a tent somewhere. Yeah, so the so sound stays in. specifically designed. Well, people are listening to you and they're listening, and I'm getting distracted by other people that are walking past. Imagine how much they're getting distracted too by people walking past and talking and walking across the front of you and whatnot. So anyway, the stage was shocking. It was as hard as we've had, but next year, I can guarantee it won't be like that. If it is, I just won't, you just won't do it because yeah. it's just not yeah. fair. It's not fair. We get paid a bit of money to do that. Yeah. It's not fair for the people that are paying us to do it. Like I know they're the ones that put us there, but they want to have us put on a show for people to yep. listen, to sit down and observe fishing, to come back next year and yeah, listen. so people can actually learn from So they're you. paying the money for... I didn't feel like I did my job properly Yeah, because I, I was distracted. Yep. It was hard to present. So anyway, I really hope they tidy that up next year and you try and be as professional as you can. And Craig, like I said, I didn't notice you were struggling at all. I'm like, oh yeah, it wasn't easy, but I'm glad there was others that were in the same boat. So that was a downfall there, but... Something I think you're going to probably have to save for after the break. Or are you going to sneak it in here? You're no, I'm going to sneak it in. You're going to sneak it in. Sneak it I, in. Thought you we, 15, I thought you had a segment for we this. We might have to take some time out of the whip around, which is coming up after the break. But one of the things that hit me, and it just, I couldn't believe, and I think we have an issue as an industry, the cost inflation in boats yeah. is insane. It's a joke. It is, it is an absolute joke. And I'm not saying these aren't beautiful, incredible boats. They are. They're fantastic yep. boats. All right, let's dumb it down for one second. You bought a 1550 Staby, what, four or five years ago? Five years ago. Five years ago? I think you it was like 55 grand. Okay. What was it at the boat show for the exact same boat? It wasn't the later. exact same boat. It was a 60 horsepower. Is that, that's, down, that's less. Yep. So they had a boat show special at 86,000 for a 15-foot boat. Yeah. And this is not just Staby in itself. This is a lot of the brands. Like there was... An Whitley. Over, yeah. Whitley, the new 27... L, which is their new flagship fishing boat, essentially. That thing as tested with a 300 horsepower uh, Mercury, I think it is, comes in at 360-odd thousand. It was a 27. 360,000 for a single engine Whitley 27. It was a 2750 Staby, 400,000. That's half a house. It's more than half a house. And then the most outrageous of the show, Ooh. the Veach 27, mm. as displayed, $680,000. Was, was it really? Yep. Or well, six hundred and thirty. It was over six hundred. No way. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I did not know that. So this is one of the first oh. boats that you saw when you walked in. It was opposite a North Bank. Beautiful boat. $600,000. 600000 for a trailer boat. Mm-hmm. It's that's outrageous, Aaron. That's ridiculous. I thought not made with glass though. It's made with gold. <laughs> I thought, and I love my Staby Craft fifteen fifty. I think it's the most versatile boat in the country. But I can't justify ninety thousand dollars for it for a fifteen foot boat. For me, I launch off the beach, and I've been super lucky. Footy's been great to me. It it services every possible need. But if you're going to launch off ramp. Hmm. 
You can go buy a. You sent it to me. It was a bar crash of five point three. It was started at fifty eight grand. Yeah, Australian built. Like for what you can like, do in the fifteen fifty stable, you can do in that boat. No difference, zero. It's not like you're getting into bigger boats where you're going in bigger winds, rough conditions. Like, and I know, like, so I, I did a little bit of work on this because I love the fifteen fifty. You can buy a twenty three, a two thousand twenty three model fifteen fifty, which is the old model, not the new one, for seventy two grand. In South Australia, it was a dealership with a 75 Honda. So 20 grand new. less, just a little bit less, about 16 grand less. Like the, the, this market, like, and Whitley or is... Is it going to come back? Actually, why, before I asked, it's going to come back. We've picked on a few other brands. We'll, we'll pick on the North Bank brand because that's our associated too. So North there Bank... was a package there for 179000 Oh, universe. that was, yep. That was a package for six a six-metre meter. Meter boat. Like, and I think, please. I think you can start from 139. But hundred, we'll pick on. Well, we're going to get probably sacked here, but that's okay. Hundred and eighty grand. No, we call it as we said. We a, do for a six meter boat. For a six meter boat, hundred and eighty. It's package. almost like the value improved because the the and this is seven fifty on display with a four hundred horsepower Merc was three hundred and five grand. Three hundred and ten <laughs> for twin two twenty. So three hundred and ten for twin two hundreds. I actually think that's okay value compared to Whitley's. 27 at 367 but we, it's still $300,000 for a trailer boat one thing that we could probably for a trailer boat yeah it's ridiculous but one thing we could probably agree on here it's not just one it's all brand. of them it's all of them some are ridic- more ridiculous than others but it's the whole the whole boating industry so as someone that's getting in I could 100% understand why someone would buy a Quintrex or a Star- Stacer. Stacer or something yep. affordable 100% like you We've we've gone for too long here, but we we can talk about it next after when we just before the whip around. You're wrapping me up. You're listening to Real Adventures for Razorback Four by Four, Australia's best four wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. You're listening to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating, and the great outdoors for Razorback Four by Four, Australia's best four wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It is now time for the whipper, and I'm still angry off yeah. the back of the pricing industry. I can't like, remember sit, what like, we were about to get into, but I think we've got into it probably a little bit too much. Just ridiculous. But Inflation. We, we're just, just we're not making more money than what we were five years ago. To what wages as an average Australian? Yeah, we aren't well, like. I think my boat right might have been 140 grand. And I've got everything on it. Yeah. Right. Like hundred eight, like, and we said we're not picking thirty on grand more, thirty grand more. But I'm, you're not making thirty grand more as an average, yeah, hunter around this world. Like, but clearly, not. people continue to buy it. I'll be fascinated to see over the next little while if the industry continues at the incredible growth. That we're Is it going to come back? That was going to be my question. Is it going to come back or will just stay? Well, historically, it's like things it's don't really come a, back. Do they? No, it's just a new floor. It's a new foundation. This is where it builds from. But or, I feel like... Or we're all getting pricing... Um, we're all getting hourly rate increases that we don't know about yet. I feel like this is not a bad thing for the consumer over the next 12 months. If you're looking to buy a boat, I reckon it's going to squeeze. Clearly, inflation, like everyone keeps talking about it. Um, I feel like they're going to... It's going to have to come back. There's going to be greater sales on to try and so a family, encourage So a family spending. boat, you want to get into boating, you want to buy a six-meter boat, new boat, whether it's a cruise car, whether it's a North Bank, whether it's Staby, you're looking at well, well, well over $100,000. Yeah. Yep. Well over. Yep. A hundred thousand 
Yep. Where yet you can stand along well, Stace is another one example on the North Bank straight across from Stave, you can come back to one of the one of the Stace's there, the, the runabouts, and you're looking at sixty grand. I was looking at the Stace of four point eight ish. I don't know the exact model, and that was like high forties. Mm. It seems like only yesterday that thing in was for, the fully, <laughs> for the fully spec model was in the mid twenties. Yep. We've anyway, ra- we've rambled. It is time. For the whip around for Mildura, unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. First up, New South Wales. Three weeks in a row. I've had to say it again. Just these snapper head of basements. You just can't not report them. They're unbelievable. Like, it's just the fishing there right now for these snapper. They're big fish. They're taking everything. Yep. And it's as good as it gets. I know it's repetitive, but... Are people going out wide to fish for? No, they're, they're, not, still cl- no, they're yeah. in close. They're not bad yeah. at all. So it's as good as fishery as you're going to get. In terms and of like family-friendly fishing, it doesn't get much better than that. No way. No way. And they're good. People really enjoy eating them. People really enjoy catching them, and they're accessible. So really good fishery. But Do you have any updates around billfish as we start to yeah. head into summer? I know we're in Al spring at the moment. put up a post during the week, a few marlin, right, out of Sydney. Really? But what he, he actually, what caught my eye was what he actually wrote was – are we? It's early billfish getting caught. It looks good. Everything's starting good. But is it the last handful of years? It just finishes early the marlin season. Yeah. Then you get a little run of it at the end. Yep. So what's it going to do this year? The current played a big factor last year, but what's so it do you reckon? Gonna, it's time to get into it now. Spend <sighs> spend time on the water now. Don't you say can't that because I've got a lot late. of work to do on them this year. So don't say that to me because I haven't got time. But I'm not taking my boat this time. Too many scratches. <sighs> I going to say buff it out, but someone chose two packs. So you can't even do that. <laughs> Queensland. Uh, inshore reef fishing off Townsville is going amazing with a lot of fish, but the pick of them is the red ambro. Beautiful eating. Can't beat the real red ambro. It's uh, fishing very well on the inshore reefs. The Logan River is on fire for those big flathead. We reported that a couple of weeks ago, but this week I saw a couple of fish close to the 90 centimetre mark. So they were caught Crocodiles. on baits as well. If you use those, like, I was on stage with Lee Rayner on the boat show and he spoke about just how big of a thing a flathead will eat, doesn't matter what it is. And they're bloody aggressive. You actually forget just how aggressive Lee that an, species of fish is. Lee got an 86 centimetre in Malacuta only a couple of weeks ago, and he said the whole swim bait, this massive thing was in its mouth and like choking on it. Yeah. Like literally choking on it. So they will eat basically everything. Uh, heading over to the west, uh, we've got some seriously big King George Whiting that will get hot off Mandura during the week. The and best bait. Nice work. I'm actually heading to Exmouth soon, hey. soon in a couple of weeks. So uh, what are you chasing out there? Oh, that's well, that's for the guide's job. To do. <laughs> oh, I'm going to jump on and just enjoy some colourful fish, Patrick. The red yes. emperor, the trout, the sailfish are fishing very well. That was what I was going to report. The sailfish are fishing very well out of Exmouth, and I'm looking forward to not catching them. Uh, <laughs> do you like that? Uh, but no, the, to be honest, they're one of the great. I know you won't agree with this. They're my favourite bill's fish species to fish for because you can fish for them with a 8,000 spin rod versus a small winch that you need for a marlin. You can also catch garfish in Port Phillip Bay on a whiting rod too, Patrick. <laughs> I knew you were going to go. I, I actually knew this would be a sarcastic comment straight away. South Australia. Port Victoria, again, some huge captures of whiting. So that is fishing. It's just gotten better, gotten better since I was in the region uh, about a month back. The pippies and squid cocktail, they are working the absolute best. Get your nice pilchard burley trail there and they'll hold with you for a long, long time. 10 whiting, only allowed 10 whiting per bag over there in South Australia, Patrick, your old neck of the woods. Yeah, well, as we know, they've been very hot. The snapper fishery has been 
you know, at the forefront of this, they've been very hot on the reduction and overfishing. Well, tens, get your boat ready. Go out for a fish, right? Out of beautiful Port Hughes. Mm-hmm. Get onto Whiting. Ten fish will take you about seven minutes, maybe nine. And all of a sudden, you've got to go in. That's how it works, isn't it? Yep, that's how it works. The salmon are coming in thick off the shore of Streaky Bay. Metals working really, really well. And there's also plenty of squid out of Montuna Bay too. So a lot happening there. What about Tasmania? There's been some big schools of brim. Yeah, that Bowen Bridge we've reported oh, many months ago. Fishing very, very good again. Two and a half inch grubs working the best. And the Derwent fishing very, very good for the old uh, trout. They're fishing very good. What about Tassie, Tassie Devils as well? We've spoken so much about the boat show. Your week in fishing and Victoria. Mm. Had a bit busier week. So the start of the week, a bit blowy. Managed to get onto the whiting uh, one of the days on the flood tide, but that wind pushing with it. So that was nice. And then the snapper managed to get a few good redfish. So that's always good to see. And they're going to start getting better and better. Uh, so I'm really excited to start fishing these snapper now for the next oh, two to three months. Yep. So really, really looking forward to chasing those. It's um, going to be... A, Hopefully, it didn't. The season isn't planned out how it was going to plan out, and you think well, how about you thought it may. I think not just myself. A lot of people like August, right? Start of August. Yep. We're having twenty-five degree days. Yeah. We had the last, other than well, the weekend. This whole week's been cold. The week before was hailing. Hundred yeah. percent. Where's all that nice weather gone? So yep. it's just pushed it back on the back burner again. Yep. So the water hasn't quite rotated with the ocean yet. It's on that verge now. So what I mean with temperature-wise, sorry, I should say, but basically it hasn't panned out to be that super exciting early snapper season. Uh, Western Port's middle of it. Port Phillip Bay is the start of it. Western Port's fishing very good for the snapper. What about that? So, what effect does the water temperature have on this? Like, where's the water temperature at? Yeah, so different parts a bit warm, but you're looking at 15 and a half now. So it's still a bit cold. Yeah. So you want that 16 to 18. So any day now, it's basically, I've seen saying it for a bit, but unfortunately I can't predict hail. So we had seven days of hail basically. So it was horrific. So it's going to get better and better, but uh, it's just a matter of just being patient. And I'll, I'll, so I'm fishing for them now. And you know, if I'm fishing for them, it's well worth it because I usually wait till they start. So it's definitely worth fishing for it now. The charters are starting to get those consistent bag limit captures. Yep. And that's why I'm starting to uh, jump onto the bandwagon there. Uh, some huge snapper though out of Welsh pool. So they're a bit behind. They're nearly on the Port Phillip Bay front of things. So they're a yep. little bit little bit behind. But I, I was with Lee on the show last weekend and he reported to me there's multiple fish over 10 kilo caught. It's I mean, a big fish. It's a different strain of snapper that come through there and they get a lot of 20 pound fish. So a whole different ball game over there. What do you mean by different strain? Like where are they coming from? So it's different strain. So I'm not into the science side of it, but they're just a different, they're not your Port Phillip Bay fish. So they're not in the same so school as they're they coming to us. Have they not come from... Like South Australia, well, have they come from the yeah, eastern so seaboard? And that's very similar to those New South Wales fish. They're a different strain of fish too. They have that knobby head, that yep. big, ugly looking, look like me sort of fish. So they are different strains. Whether they're the New South Wales strain, I don't think they are. They're just a different strain of fish that push into there yep. to the ones that majority push into Port Phillip Bay and Western Port. Yep. So they're just a whole different strain of fish. So it's sort of like us humans around the country. Yeah. People from Africa, China, it's all different strains. So yep. it's just similar in the fishing world. They all come from different areas and they have different things and yep. different head, knobby heads like they do, the snapper down at Welshpool. So yeah, completely different strain. Uh, the wookle is on fire in the cod front of things. So they've been getting them on baits, but they've also been some small fish. So yep. like I'm talking... 30 centimetres, right up to well over a metre. So super exciting there on the uh, up the wakul. I think that's how you pronounce it. Jim Credlin used to say that. 
the Edwards River. I was on we fire. We need to get Jim on. We do. We do. Well, I miss Jim. He's on fire for the Yallas, the Edward River. And once again, Bate being the most productive too. So a little bit of a report from Jim Credlin's neck of the woods. Thank you, Jim. And uh, we'll have to get him on sometime soon. He sees Bait and Tackle. That was the whip around for Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. You're listening to Real Adventures. Plenty more after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating, and the great outdoors for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive sea covers with protection like no other. It's now time for All Aboard for Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable, start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. My special guest this morning is Bomber Farrell. Morning, Bomber. Morning, Danger. How are you, mate? Going well, mate. Now, we're exploring sonar technology today. And one of the things that I'm really keen to chat to you about is the advancement in technology and the units that people buy, whether it's from your local tackle stores, your BCFs, your Melbourne Marine Centres, what these units can now do is is far more significant than than it was 10 years ago, but people might not always necessarily be actually using all the functions that help you catch more fish. Yeah, well, well you're so, so true, and technology is like sort of, you know, it's all stepping stone along the way with like, you know, you go from a GPS point that you can now identify and, you know, know exact locations. Then you get a depth sounder. Then there was the side imaging, which was like, a huge game changer, um, which I've, I've used obviously for the past few years, but just in recent times started to use the forward sonar. So um, basically having that live beam out of the out of the front of the boat while you're fishing to, to search um, for fish and then basically being able to track your lure. Um, but mainly like being able to in live real time watching fish swim around to go, there's actually fish there or, you know what, there are no fish there and move on. So this is a game changer in a sense that traditionally, and if you if you're not all that well in tune with with fish finders and sonars, uh, chart plotters, etc., it's always been they've been mounted on the stern, whether it's through hull or bolted to the back, and you go over a spot and oh, okay, there there was fish there or whatever it might be. This is actually reinventing that to to quite a significant level where you can look at the snag and tell whether there's fish there, and then follow your lure as you're casting it. That's right. You're totally and utterly pinpointing a fish and specifically fishing to that fish that's either stationary on a snag or even something through the shallows or a depth of water that's swimming through the water column, and you can see it right there and go, yes. And, and you can even, to a point, and say, look, that barra, for instance, it looks like it's a big barra, and if, once you sort of start using it to a point where that looks like it's probably about a metre fish, and that one there's probably about a 60 or a 70 and you can specifically cast towards that fish um, that you've sort of spotted there in real time. And the technology that, you, that you're using for this, talk us through the, the equipment that, that you've got and that you're running on your boat. Oh, okay, yeah. So on mine, I'm running, I'm running the Hummingbird. So I've just, and from the start of the trip, so like this, I'm talking the start of the year, I've, I've got a Solix 10 and I've just got the side imaging and the traditional sounder on the back. And only about mid-year, I got exposed to using it on a couple of different mates' boats. And then I've put on the Mega Live, so the Humminbird um, uh, Mega Live, which is the forward sonar. And then I've got a, you put a, a pole on the front of the boat, 
and uh, until I mean, you go and have a look online, which is a lot of it, a lot of data now about it. You put a pole on the front, and it's like having a transducer there. Now, with the transducer that you put on, you can have it so it shoots forward, so like as a cone that would go out, say, on about a 40, um, 50 degree angle out the front of the boat, and then that would go down to the bottom of the water column or as deep as you want because you can adjust it and then run to the surface. And that's really good to say when I was fishing for yellow belly or up in the in the dam, you can just put it on there and you just move it around and snag and you can see the, the snag point blank or the bass um, was fun while I use it on. And you zoom it around and you see you can see little what looks like little blobs and little fish and tails swimming. And then you go, right, oh, there's a fish there. And then you can cast, drop the lure straight in front of his nose, dunk, 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 bring it back. The other way is having like in a landscape or a forward, um, in, in a landscape or scout mode where it's then horizontal through the water column, but at a, at a height, at a depth, is not as deep as the other, the other ones, but you can see a fish that's swimming from the left-hand side of you all the way across in front. So in a shallow bank, for instance, for Barra, if there's a drain, you can see the drain right in front of you, but way off to the left, 30, 40 metres, there's a fish that just starts slowly cruising in, and you can then again flick the lure in front of that fish. And again, it's all in live time. The other one is the straight down mode, which I think I think would work on the snapper in Port Phillip Bay, for instance, where you could just have it and then zoom it around and you could see in real time fish swimming around underneath you and then again just dropping a lure or um, well, I reckon you could even use it with a bait. Or at least you know there's fish definitely swimming there to have a crack at them. A lot of the feedback that we get when we talk about technology is people just want to buy it and then install it and just whatever simplest, just just use it like that straight off the shelf. How much time does it take to? And you obviously spend a, a lot of a lot of time fishing. It's it's an absolute passion of yours. But for your, I suppose, occasional user, how much time do they need to put into actually understanding it to get proper value for money for the you know the unit yeah. that you're buying? Yeah, okay, that's a really good question because I do see a lot of people and I get a lot of messages from people, even just with the simple thing like side imaging, um, which is pretty stock standard now, and people don't use the function because they go, oh, I'm not really sure. So it doesn't, if you're computer savvy, yeah, you'll work a few things out, but I think what you've got to do is just commit to it. And it, honestly, it'll only take you half an hour, an hour of just mucking around with a few settings. This is what my thing I would tell everyone to go and do. Go to a jetty, a wharf, a log, a snag, even if it's crystal clear water, something you can point blank with your own eyes, understand what's there. Yeah. Pull up, now start mucking around with the settings because you know categorically there's pylons there, there's rocks there, and start changing the, the settings around, upping the sensitivity and the contrast, the speed, and then start going, oh, okay, right, I've worked out that if I have the contrast set low and the, and the sensitivity up, that gives me a really good clear picture of those pylons that otherwise I couldn't see if it was around the other way. So then you can confidently walk away and drive off out and go, okay, when I see something, I know point blank this is exactly what I'm looking at. In, in terms of the install process for it, like you're running, I think it's a little 4.4-metre horizon tinny. Um, yep. You've ran, obviously, bigger units on your 650 North Bank centre cab. Um, mm-hmm. It's technology that can do both, obviously. Oh, yeah, totally. It's just plugged straight in. That's one good thing, I suppose, with the Humminbird. You just plug that. I just plug the unit straight in. So for me, if I was out fishing on the lake, for instance, um, I'm using the same sander. I just use a ram mount. Uh, if I'm driving along in the tinny, I'll just be cruising along with just the GPS and the um, side imaging or whatever, and I'll just get to a spot, pull up, put the electric in the water, turn that on. Then I'll just sit, swing the screen around, 
I put the Mega Live, which is on the pole, in, turn it on, and then I just change over to the other screen, and then all of a sudden, voila, I'm now looking at Mega Live, and I can just then swivel the pole around the front of the boat and have a look at you know what I thought I saw on the side imaging or the down imaging, and then just confirm that yes, and then I will watch to see if the fish are moving around there as I thought, and then you can have a go at trying to catch them. One of the other clear benefits of this is the fact that it links directly with your Minkota, so you can pinpoint an exact spot on your sounder and then spot lock. Yeah, that's right. Actually, it's funny you say that. I actually, I'm not going to lie, I didn't know there was a feature. I was using it at um, Lake Calide on the Barra, impoundment Barra, and I'd driven over what I thought was, I thought, oh, look, there's definitely fish there. So I marked it on the sounder as I'm driving. Then when I use the Mega Live, I put it into the um, landscape mode, and on the landscape mode, it actually, out in front of me, the GPS point comes up on the actual screen, even with the Mega Live running. <laughs> yeah, right. So I didn't know that either. It, it, I had no idea. I was like, oh, shit, that's actually really quite cool. So if you've actually marked something, then you put it on and you It'll can go, okay, over. that's exactly right. So you're watching it then in live time, what you've actually marked on a map. It's technology. We love it. Hey, Bomber, thank you very much for your time this morning. We've run out of time, but it's always great chatting to you. If you want more information on the unit that Bomber's talking about this morning, hummingbird.com.au is where you can go and find out more about Mega 360 imaging, whether it's the live scope, the forward sonar, it's all there with every bit of information you could possibly want. Bomber Farrell, our special guest this morning on Real Adventures. Red's Review for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. It's now time for Red's Review for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. And we're talking binoculars, but not just any old binoculars. We're talking night vision binoculars for this week's Red's Review. Yeah, we're at the boat show during the week and I caught up with a Guys from the night vision shop down there, they were the Moose Marine stand. and Unbelievable, these things. I feel like I'm in the army. Seriously. Secret services. You pick them up and the weight behind them. So Night Vision Australia is the website or nightvision.com.au and these things, they do look like you're straight out of the army. They And, are, and you've had a couple in your possession for the last week. Yep. They, and I'm going to play around with these more. Yep. But basically, the reason for, I first tested them out you know, was... Initial sort of... Well, in my six-metre boat, right? Yep. I don't have... Uh, I don't have the night... The I don't have the, the psionics yet. I don't have it. So, looking at night time, it can be quite hard. And I do a lot of travelling at night. I was going to say, you, you're up early. You're leaving often yep. and driving for 40 minutes an hour yep. when it's dark. So, basically, what I mean by that is... These binos, everything you, how you look through these during the day are pretty much how they come out at night with the thermal imaging. They're, it's actually quite incredible to look at. They're amazing. It's just it just transferred to your eye and you can you can see. So these are really good for, if for, they could be for the safety guys. So anyone, the, the water police and the like search and rescue, looking into the water, yep. picks up your thermal image, someone in the water, picks up the thermal, you can see. But you, also... You were less concerned about the safety element of these things as you were your ability... To spot birds. Well, that's what I the first question I asked. I said thermal imaging. Birds are warm, and I how I how I how I thought that I could use these was, he, he said to me trying to pick out one bird that's in a distance away, 
it's a bit hard to do. Yeah, 100%. But how often do you have one bird on a flock of tuna? You've got thousands of them jumping into the water. So you can see a heap of them and you'll pick them up in the distance. Yep. Up to kilometres away. Yep. So extremely good. But another thing that I like about them as well is they cut through fog too. So they also cut through fog. So it allows you to... to See uh, distances at night allows you to see through fog. I don't want to throw them under the bus, but we we might need to chat to the boys to get them to send Basha Huli a um, a pair. Didn't have you great luck there. with the giant pylon that he drove into. Are we the still great, bringing that up? Oh, the, I'm happy to. The, Poor the, Basha, the our great friend, man. <laughs> coming out of Altona, I think he was, and he, he got the stick. The old old Basha did. Was it so a V17? It had a beautiful I think it was his V17. V17 Haynes Hunter. He's Bang. got a Barcra, uh, Bash Strader now, I should say. Yeah, well, we know why. Because <laughs> his boat got right off. But if you're in the market for Poor looking for Bash. these binos, how much are they, Pat? Have you got them in front of you there? There's actually a sale on at the moment. So for uh, just under two grand, nineteen fifty four for the now. Bear with me here. The Guide DN30, which are the digital night vision goggles. Yep. So 4K ultra high definition visuals. The sensor rate sits at 1920 by 1080, which is an AMOLED display. Apparently, this creates, and this is the website, but I can back it up having used them, um, stunning images day and night. So not just for nighttime use. Yeah, and that's what, at the boat show, it was... we test them out. Well, we didn't look into too many balconies, Patrick. Don't hold me on to that one. But we tested the old Aaron, the binos out there. Aaron, but I was be more careful. Imp- I was more important. Lucky I was tired of a night. It wasn't five thirty in the afternoon, was it? Oh, it was better than me using them at ten thirty in the night because they could make everything look like day. So I didn't test them out up there, Pat. But I managed to test them out on the water a couple right, of times. Back. Coming, yeah, coming in, coming at back night. this week. It's a very, very good product and something that you consider if you are doing a lot of water, uh, work on the water at night time, whether whatever you're chasing snapper or gummies, whatever it is, definitely consider a set of these uh, I reckon they're going to help with safety and also catching a few more fish too nightvision.com.au is the website and do yourself a favour they've got some good sales on uh, at the moment and you can get all the details there that was Red's review for Razorback 4x4 Australia's best four wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other You're listening to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. Welcome back to Real Adventures for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. It is time for Red Sip. Red Tip slash Red's early gaff. Ooh, it's a bit wow. of a tip gaff one. Now, you drive around. I've done this before, but the reason I'm saying it is we're coming to silly season. And last weekend... And silly season the- that you mean hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people using their boats again for probably the first time in like 12 months. Or ever. <laughs> and we're seeing it. But basically, what I'm saying here is biggest pain in the backside is trying to park your trailer at a boat ramp. It, it's hard, like as in to find places to park, especially when it's busy. Yep. The amount of posts I've seen during the week of photos of cars, just cars, parked in trailer spots at yeah. boat ramps is disgusting. Yep. So it you can't... I know people go, oh, I need to park somewhere. But the problem is they're made for trailers and oh, Queenscliff's great because it says parking only, you get fined if you park your car there. But I've seen one at Geelong. I've seen one at Mornington. I've seen... Mornington was actually a good one I've seen because they weren't happy about this and I've read posts saying they're just going to park their trailers across the front of them now so they can't get out. 
people can't get out because they're made for trailers. Correct. But and they yeah. take so you know I'm with them. It's passive aggressive. It's it's great. <laughs> and they only need to wait like six or nine hours. Yeah, and well, then they'll be back in. If, especially if it's like Chris Cassar, for instance, launches out of Mornington quite a bit. Yep. Chris might have three charters on, so he might even have a 15-hour wait. Good on him. <laughs> I'm all for Chris doing that. That sounds great. Because he's trying to go to work, and he's got nowhere to park his car. And he, yeah, it's a, it's but a the good thing, gap. the thing is that a car can do that a boat and car can't, a boat and trailer can't, sorry, is a car can go up the street 400 metres and park in a normal park. We can't do that with trailers. And these are made for us. They're made for, for people that have trailers. You're in a boat facility. So if you're yep. going on a charter and they pick you up from a boat ramp, have some consideration. The tip is this week. Have some consideration. If it was you... doesn't sound like a tip. It sounds like a pointed suggestion. It's a good... Well, the tip is don't do it because you're going to be there for 15 hours when your mate Kassar blocks you in and I'm all for him doing it because <laughs> it's making his life hell and it's making many others hell. Anyway, here comes the real good gaff. What do you got for us, Patrick? The gaff this week is going to the boating industry and all manufacturers right around the country because the boating industry needs to reevaluate how boats are measured and advertised. So we went on the beautiful new cruise craft E695 hardtop. Yes. 6.95 metres is the measurement. Going on, there's a few other six and a half meter boats that were way bigger than the 695 hardtop. And if you are not into your boating, how the hell do you Mm. sort of understand the value proposition between, hang on, this boat's bigger, so why am I paying more for a 650 or why am I paying less for something that's smaller? Sorry, something that's bigger. We need to have a universal measurement system so they're a tape measure? To, when it comes to advertising, because how many times have you seen Quintrex or Stacer just rename a boat that goes from 4.75, which they were, to now 4.99? I think Kane's Cruisecraft. Cruisecraft have done it? from a 5.35 to something. Pretty much the same hull. Exactly Those, the same. So to the... I it, it was, was the, the five, same hull. To the 5.9. Yeah, to the 5.9. So, so all for trying to promote something. And all manufacturers do this, right? They all do it. But what they all need to do... Have a guideline. ...is to get on the same page around measurements and measuring their hulls and when where it comes they, to advertising. And where they actually do measure from. Are they measuring from the, the f- swim bow ladder? sprit to the back to the swim ladder? Or yep. is it extended bow sprit? Where does it... Or what about you don't allow the bow sprit? How would you do it? I reckon bow sprit doesn't count. From the front of the boat where the point touches, so the yep. front of your boat where your rubber guard turns at the front there, yep. starts from there to... The transom. Yes, not the swim platform. Not the swim platform. I agree with that. And not the bow sprit. Because it's, it's, just an, it's not really the boat like as such. No, but it's too confusing for people, especially those that haven't, aren't necessarily well acquainted with it, but they want to buy something and they're being confused like no other with the measurements that different companies have. So I think it's time for the industry to actually um, look at implementing something that everyone has to follow because it's just too confusing for people. I couldn't agree more. Like it's, yeah. And you're trying to quantify the value of things and it's like, hang on, I don't understand how this works. So that's what the industry needs to look at. That is this week's Flying Gaff for Real Adventures. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Let's do it all again next week. We'll see you then.